Shalom, this is Rabbi David Tilkiger of Congregation Mayim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshicheinu Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Avrachamim, Father of mercies, we worship you. We love you and we adore you. Father, I thank you for this Shabbat that you have given us, for this opportunity to gather together as mishpacha, as family to worship before you in your presence. Lord, I pray that as we open up your word today that you will speak boldly into our hearts and our lives. Father, I pray that you will open our hearts and our minds to receive from you, that it be your word spoken, your breath received, that nothing of me be involved except that which you have ordained for this purpose. B'shem Yeshua Meshachinu. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray. And everyone says, Amen and Amen. So first, I just want to say thank you to Sean, uh, who did a phenomenal job last week uh, as he uh, brought the message. Um, for those watching online that were curious why he did that, I was in fact here. Um, so I got to make him really uncomfortable, which was great. Uh, no, but in all honesty, he did a phenomenal job. I'm really excited uh, for Sean and Kendall to be leading our youth group and for what the Lord is doing in the teens of our synagogue uh, through the ministry of Sean and Kendall and the youth group as a whole. And I'm excited for Sean to have more opportunities as things progress from here to be able to share with our community and, uh, and for the Lord to use him in those ways. Uh, so with that said, we're going to dive right into the word today because this is, along with many others, one of my favorite parshot uh, in in scriptures, uh, in the Torah itself. Uh, oddly enough, next week is actually my bar mitzvah parsha, um, so that's always fun. But um, uh, I had the, one of the shortest parshas ever for my bar mitzvah, which was great. Um, but this week we're, uh, we're in parsha Nitzavim, which comes from Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 9. Uh, so if you'll go ahead and open up, turn right there, Deuteronomy 29, 9, we'll dive right in. This is one of my favorite parshotas. It is, in essence, the closing of the blessings and the curses. Often we look at the blessings and curses of Deuteronomy 27 to, to 29 by themselves because they're within one Parsha, and then we kind of overlook the fact that this week's Parsha is a closing statement to that. It's a reiteration of what the Lord has already said in the blessings and curses. And if you remember correctly, like we said uh, when we talked about the blessing and curses last year is it's not necessarily that God is cursing us in the sense of all of these bad things are now falling upon us, but instead that the Lord is removing his hand of blessing, his protection against these things that are happening. And in all honesty, it's not even that God is removing them. Uh, if we're walking in the curses, it's because we chose to walk away from the blessings. So we look at it as though God puts the blessings and God puts the curses. God's already given us the blessings. It's just a matter of if we're going to walk in them or walk contrary to them. And so those blessings and curses are ours, whether we want them or not. And which ones we see, which ones we receive, which ones we live in, that's up to us. Uh, you know, God didn't create us to be robots that he just turns the knob and we go about our way doing exactly what he wants all the time. That is what he wants from us. But he wants us to choose to follow his will and his ways. Um, and so as we look at this week's Parsha, it's picking right up with where we were last week. So verse 9 uh, of chapter 29, Deuteronomy says, You are standing today, all of you, before Adonai your God, the heads of your tribes, your elders, your officials, all the men of Israel, your children, your wives, the outsider within your camp, from the woodchopper to the water carrier. Each of you is to cross over into the covenant of Adonai your God that he is cutting with you today and into his oath. And we'll pause right there for a second. All right, so he says, 
each of you are standing here, right? This is the entire nation of Israel uh, that are standing here. This is a mixed multitude, despite what the, you know, uh, uh, Judaism may say over the last, uh, you know, thousand years or so. The scripture never gives us any evidence of the mixed multitude parting away from Israel before they got to Sinai or at any point separating themselves during the wilderness journey. So based strictly off of what the Bible actually says and what it says here, this is a mixed multitude. This is the nation of Israel, the tribes of Israel, and those who have attached themselves from the nations with them. And so he says, each of you are standing here today, not the nation as a whole, not the leadership as a whole, not Moses by himself, not Joshua, not the priesthood. He says, each individual person of B'nai Israel are standing here today. And he goes on to, to specify what he means by each of you. He says, the heads of your tribes, your elders, your officials, all the men of Israel, your children, your wives, and the outsider within your camp. Makes it very clear from top to bottom, every single one of B'nai Israel, every individual makes up the community, but every individual is individually responsible for their own lives. As a matter of fact, within Jewish tradition, we also believe not only we're responsible for our own lives, but we're responsible for taking care of those around us to make sure that they walk with the Lord in the way they should. And as believers, we should grasp onto that. You know, the, the, the Lord says that if there is sin with one person in the community, if it is not abruptly stopped, it will plague the entire community, right? And so it's important for us to recognize we're not just answering for ourselves, but we're also here to stand as witnesses for our community, and to interact with them, to encourage them, to uplift them, to continue the teaching uh, in, in the ways of the Lord. And he goes on and says, each one of you, verse 11, each one of you is to cross over into the covenant of Adonai. And it's a very interesting phrase there, the choice of words that we read here. Because uh, the, the word for, for Hebrews, uh, the word for Hebrew language, for the Hebrew pre people, is ever, the individual. And ivri is the, 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 the language, uh, or the the, the um, plural, and Ivrit is the language Hebrew. So Ever is a Hebrew word that literally means to cross over. So Abraham was called by God to be an Ever, to be one who crosses over. Crosses over what? Abraham didn't cross over the, the Jordan in the same way that the nation of Israel did. What, what did Abraham cross over? Abraham crossed over from the ways of this world to the ways of righteousness. He crossed over from the ways of the nations to the ways of Adonai, Right? As a matter of fact, we can look, if you look historically in the Bible at who Abraham was, Abraham, before being called by God, was a pagan. All right? Before being called by God, Abraham was a pagan. And he chose to leave everything from his father's household in order to cross over from paganism, from worldliness, and to faithfulness with the God of all creation. And because of that, the Lord says, and through you, I will bless the entire nation, all of the, the nations of the world. And so he says, each of you is to cross over. Each of you is to become one who crosses over from the world into the nation, uh, into the nation of Israel, or from the world into righteousness, into godliness. And it's really important as we look at this, because Israel at this point is looking at the Jordan River. They can see Jericho. They haven't crossed over yet. Their fathers, their mothers, their uncles, their aunts crossed over the Yom Suf, the Red Sea. But they haven't crossed over anything yet. This is the second generation. 
They're about to cross over. But the Lord's saying now, each of you must cross over because it's not speaking of the waters of the Jordan or the waters of the Yamsuf. It's speaking of the reality of crossing over into faithful righteousness and the covenant with the Lord. And he goes on, each of you is to cross over into the covenant of Adonai, your God, that he is cutting with you today and into his oath. Verse 12, this is in order to confirm you today as his people. So he will be your God just as he promised you and just as he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Not with you alone am I cutting this covenant and this oath. Wait a second. So it's not just the individuals that are standing there, right? We have the entire community of Israel. Each individual is standing here answering to the Lord as witnesses of this covenant that's being made. But he goes on, not with you alone am I cutting this covenant and this oath. But with whomever is standing here with us today before Adonai your God and with whomever is not here with us today. And Jewish tradition tells us that what this is speaking of isn't necessarily like there were people wandering around the woods somewhere that forgot to show up for the big meeting. They didn't get the memo and weren't there in time. It's speaking of the generations that come after us. One of the greatest concepts in Judaism is Lador Vador from generation to generation. When we celebrate Passover, when we celebrate Sukkot, two of the most important things, in my opinion, about our observance and celebration of these is that the Word of God commands us we are to do certain things in certain fashions at certain times so that our children will ask us, why do we do this? Why do we do that? Why do we do this? So that we can relay the message of God's faithfulness to his people, the message of God bringing freedom to his people, the message of what ultimately is salvation and Yeshua, our Messiah. And so he says, I'm not saying making this covenant just with you here today, but with every single generation of the nation of Israel that comes after you. This covenant is an eternal covenant. Despite what replacement theologians like to think, God is not done with the Jewish people. God is not done with the nation of Israel. God is not done with his chosen people. And it's an eternal covenant from generation to generation. Look, I hate to break it to anybody that's kind of wavering on whether they uh, are agreeing with me on this statement or not, but if God didn't mean eternal when he said an eternal covenant with the children of, of Israel, he can't possibly mean a co- eternal when he talks about heaven being eternal. It's not possible. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't just randomly change in Acts. It doesn't happen that way. So he says, I'm making this covenant today with you and with everyone who is not standing here today, with each generation that will come after you. We go on to verse 1 of chapter 30. Now, when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse that I have set before you, and you take them to heart, and all the nations where Adonai your God has banished you, and you return to Adonai your God and listen to his voice according to all that I am commanding today, you and your children with all your heart, with all your soul. Then Adonai your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you, and he will return and gather you from all the peoples where Adonai your God has scattered you. Even if your outcasts are at the ends of the, earth, of the heavens, from there Adonai your God will gather you, and from there he will bring you. Adonai your God will bring you into the land that your fathers possessed, and you will possess it, and he will do you good and multiply you more than your fathers. Um, it's really interesting when we look at this right out the gate. He says, now when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curses that I set before you. We go back to last week's Parsha. And he says, all right, if you follow my ways and my uh, commandments, if you live within my covenant, then all of these blessings will be upon you, right? 
you'll have food, seems like a positive. You have a roof, seems like a positive. Your women will give birth to children that are healthy, seems like a positive. You'll have finances needed to do whatever's necessary, seems like a positive, etc., etc., right? And then there's this whole long list of curses, and we pay attention to the curses, they're just the exact opposite of the, the blessings. In other words, God says, you just won't be walking in the blessings, so you'll experience all of this difficulty. Oddly enough, because we serve a gracious and merciful God, we recognize as believers that even when we choose to walk in the curses, God still makes a way faithfully. We may not see it, but he still makes a way faithfully. We may not recognize it because our eyes aren't open to it. But as we look at the curse, he says, if you walk contrary to my ways, these curses will be upon you. And he says, now these curses will be, and I'm paraphrasing a lot here. He says, these curses will be upon you so that you will wake up to your stupidity and come back to me. But if that doesn't work, he becomes a, tele, a telemarketer, right? Uh, the, the, the TV, what do they call them? The, the, uh, the, the commercials that are like half an hour selling you one product. Uh, and, but wait, there's more. He says, if that doesn't work, then I'll put these curses on you. And these curses will come on you so that you'll wake up to your stupidity and come back to me. But if that doesn't work, here's some more. So that you'll wake up to your stupidity and come back to me. And if that doesn't work, here's some more. And then here he wraps out the discussion by saying, and when the time comes, recognize this is a prophetic statement, when the time comes that the blessings and the curses that I've set before you come upon you. When the time comes that you experience both the blessings, in other words, Israel will be walking in faithfulness with the Lord and his covenant for at least a period of time, and the curses come upon you. It's not an if. He doesn't say when the time comes that the blessings come upon you and maybe the curses, but hopefully not. We'll see what happens. He says when the time comes that both the blessings and the curses fall on you. Then, once you've taken it to heart, and all the nations where Adonai your God has banished you, so he doesn't say, once both of them come upon you, then I'll bring you back. He says, once they come upon you and you finally heed my call, which is to wake up from your stupidity and come back to me, when you heed them with your heart, uh, and all the nations where Adonai your God has, taken, has banished you, and you return to Adonai your God and listen to his voice according to all that I am commanding you today, and you, you and your children with all your heart and with all your soul, then Adonai your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you. And he will return and gather you from all the peoples where Adonai your God has scattered you. And then we continue down to verse 6. He says, also, Adonai your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love Adonai your God with all your heart, with all your soul, in order that you may live. So once we've experienced the blessings and the curses, right? We go to Exodus, to the original encounter with the Lord at Mount Sinai, and the Lord says, what I am doing is making you a nation of Kohanim. I am making you my children, a nation of Kohanim. And then here in Deuteronomy, the, towards the end of Deuteronomy, he says, but when the time comes that you walk contrary to my ways, and you experience both my blessings and the curses, you finally take them to heart and turn back around to me, then I will circumcise your heart. So we don't have to get to Paul to read about circumcision of the heart. Paul didn't just suddenly, oh, I got a great idea. Let me write this down. People will love this quote. Paul was quoting from Moses. Paul was quoting from the Torah because God's desire all along was the circumcision of the heart. His desire wasn't for us to open up a Torah scroll and follow every word uh, uh, methodically and legalistically, 
His desire was for our hearts to be circumcised in His ways, that we honor Him naturally, natively, not out of obligation to paper and a contract, but naturally and natively, innately following His will and His ways, listening to His voice and being led by Him. And He says, I will uh, circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love Adonai your God with all your heart, with all your soul, in order that you may live. And actually, uh, uh, Nachmanides speaks about this particular thing. He says, from the time uh, of the creation of the universe, man had the choice to be righteous or wicked. So it was for the entire duration of the Torah in order that there be meant for us, a merit for us in choosing good and punishment for desiring evil. But in the days of Mashiach, choosing good will be in our nature. And the heart will not lust for that which is not proper for it. And we will have no desire for it at all. This is the circumcision spoken of here. As lust is a foreskin blocking the heart. And the circumcision of the heart is the removal of lust. In those times, man will return to what he was before Adam's sin. When he naturally did what is proper to do. And there were no conflicts and contradictions in his will. This is the meaning of what our sages said, interpreting the verse from Ecclesiastes 12:1. There shall come days of which you shall say, I have no desire in them. These are the days of Mashiach in which there is neither merit nor guilt. For in the days of Mashiach there will be no desire of evil, and thus no merit of guilt, since merit and guilt are both the products of a free will. So Nachmanides one of the great rabbis of, of, of Judaism says, this is speaking of the days of Mashiach. That when Mashiach has come and has circumcised our hearts, that we will naturally do what God desires of our lives. That it will be part of who we are innately. I want to bring this home to you real quick because in Matthew 5, in, in Messianic Jewish circles, people love quoting Matthew 5, particularly 17 through 20 or so, right? Everybody loves to quote that. It's like the, but nobody really wants to go past there because then things start to get a little complicated and you actually got to you know, do what you say. Um, but when we go a little farther than there, we get to Yeshua's words where he says, you know, and I'm again paraphrasing, he says, you know, you've heard it said it's a sin to commit adultery. But I tell you, if you've even lusted after somebody in your heart, you've already committed it. Does I tell you, you've heard it's a sin to commit murder, but if you've even hated somebody in your heart, you've already committed it, right? And what's really interesting about that is both lust and adultery are dealt with in the Torah. Both hate and murder are dealt with in the Torah. He didn't come up with something new. And he sure as heck didn't say, as long as you don't lust, you can commit adultery all you want. As long as you don't hate, you can murder whoever you want. It's okay. No, what he's saying is, my desire as the Word made flesh is to circumcise your heart by my presence being in your heart, by me living within you, the word made flesh, tabernacling literally in your heart, your heart becoming the ark that houses the Torah scroll, the ark of the covenant in the tabernacle and temple that housed the, the Aserot Hadibrod on tablets, so that what occurs doesn't simply occur as an outward action, but instead something that flows from an internal transformation. He says, if I handle, and by the way, when you look at the Torah, an overwhelming majority of the commandments in the Torah, for every external command, there's an internal command that pairs right up with it. It says, thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not lust. Right? 
For every external command, there's an internal command that pairs up with it. And Yeshua says, look, if you let me, through the circumcision of the heart, handle the inside, the outside will never be a problem. If you let me handle the internal, the external can't sin. If you aren't lusting, you cannot commit adultery or fornication. Because although, yes, adultery is fornication, not all fornication is adultery. All right, I'll clarify that for you. He says, if you don't lust, you can't do all the other stuff. If you don't hate, you're not going to murder. Simple as that. And the only way we can do any of that faithfully is with the presence of Messiah in our lives. So although I don't know that Nachmanides knew exactly what he was saying, I do believe without a shadow of a doubt that the Lord was speaking prophetically through him. Because the days of Messiah have in fact come. We're no longer waiting for them. They have come. He has offered his life so that we can be restored faithfully to what he has always desired for his people. That our hearts be circumcised as spoken here in Deuteronomy 30. That we don't simply honor the commandments of God on an external basis just because we have to. But that we honor the fullness of his word from Genesis through Revelation, through the leading of the circumcision of the heart, which is the presence of Yeshua our Messiah, the Word made flesh, residing within us, so that He handles the internal, and the external follows right along with it in suit. Verse 11 of chapter 30 says, For this mitzvah that I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you, nor is it far off. It is not in the heavens that you should say, who will go up for us to the heavens and get it for us and have us hear it so we may do it? Nor is it across the sea that you will say, who will cross over for us to the other side of the sea and get it for us and have us hear it so we may do it? No, the word is very near to you in your mouth and in your hearts to do it. So you have set before you today life and good and death and evil. What I am commanding you today is to love Adonai, your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his mitzvot, statues, and ordinances. Then you will live and multiply, and Adonai, your God, will bless you in the land you are going in to possess. Skipping down to verse 19, I call the heavens and the earth to witness about you today, that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. Therefore, choose life so that you and your descendants may live by loving Adonai your God, listening to his voice, and clinging to him. And by the way, that little tagline at the end there of that verse, that is both the answer to how to choose life and the answer to how you will live. It says, therefore, choose life so that you and your descendants may live. How do we choose life? By loving Adonai, our God, listening to his voice and clinging to him. And what will come from that? A life that loves Adonai, your God, listens to his voice and clings to him. For he is your life and the length of your days, that you may dwell in the land that Adonai swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. We skip forward to Romans chapter 10, beginning with verse, four, uh, verse 1, I'm sorry. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and my prayer to God is for, is, is, for Israel is for their salvation. By the way, this is in Romans, which is a book that many believers like to use to say that God has done with Israel. Does that sound like what he's saying here? Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and my prayer to God is for Israel, 
uh, for Israel is for their salvation. For I testify about them that they have zeal for God, but not based on knowledge. For being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, which by the way, in my opinion, is the very definition, the very definition of legalism. It's when we attempt to live righteous lives merely on the external without an internal transformation. Guess what? You can't be righteous on the outside if you're dark and ugly and dead on the inside. For being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit themselves to the righteousness of God. For Messiah is the goal of the Torah as a means to righteousness for everyone who keeps trusting Remember the words we read from Nachmanides a few moments ago? The goal was always Messiah. Messiah wasn't an afterthought. He wasn't an afterthought once uh, Israel got kicked out of the land by the Babylonians. He wasn't an afterthought once both temples were destroyed. He wasn't an afterthought before Israel ever even got to the Yamsuf and started complaining. I was at a, a thing the other day and, and a pastor was speaking. He goes, you know, Israel, how long did they get out of Egypt before they started complaining? You know, they said it was, the, the Bible says it was three days. No, no, the Bible says it wasn't even a full night. They got to the waters and went, Moses, seriously, did you bring us out here to die? Is this seriously? I mean, there weren't enough graves back there. You brought us here. Really? And then God does this mighty and miraculous work and parts the sea for them. They cross through on dry ground. They get to the other side. The waters crash down over the Egyptian forces and they immediately go, Three days later, look, Moses, seriously, there's no water. We're thirsty. Did you bring us out here to die? There weren't enough graves back there, right? This is who we are as human people, as human people, as human beings. We're just miserable and despicable without the Lord's presence in our lives. But here, just as Nachmanides spoke about the, uh, the circumcision of the heart in Deuteronomy 30, Paul says, for Messiah is the goal of the Torah as means to righteousness for everyone who keeps on trusting for Moses writes about the righteousness that is uh, based on Torah. This man who does these things shall live by them. In other words, if you're only doing it externally without Messiah present, you're going to do it, follow it strictly to the T. You know why you don't have to follow it to the T with Messiah present? Because with Messiah present in your heart, with your heart circumcised and his word upon you, you're already following it to the T. You just don't pay attention to it. Because he's handling the inside, so the outside's not messing up. By the way, if the outside's messing up, you might want to go and make sure that he's handling the inside, or rather that you have submitted the inside completely to him. But the righteousness based on faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will go up into heaven? Again, quoting Moses. That is to bring Messiah down, or who will go down into the abyss? That is to bring Messiah up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we are proclaiming. For if you confess with your mouth that Yeshua is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart it is believed for righteousness and with the mouth it is confessed for salvation. He says, you don't have to say who's going to go out and get it. Who's going to bring me those words? Who's going to bring me God's words for my life? He says, it's already there. You've already got it. As soon as you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Yeshua is salvation, you'll fall in line. Your heart will be circumcised. 
and you will walk faithfully with him. Hebrews 12, verse 18, for you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and to a blazing fire, to darkness and doom and storm and to the blast of a shofar and a voice whose words made those who hear it beg that not another word be spoken for they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. So terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am quaking with fear. Verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels in joyous gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are written in the scroll in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous ones made perfect, and to Yeshua, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks of something better than the blood of Abel. Look, you got to understand, people. It's as simple as this. Messiah gave his life that you and I could be made whole, be made renewed in the faithfulness that God created us to be to him. He breathed the breath of life into Adam so that Adam could walk faithfully with him. He spoke all creation into existence so that you and I could walk faithfully in him. But you got to get this first. His plan from the foundations, before the foundations creation, was always Yeshua. It wasn't plan B. He didn't wait for Adam to slip up and mess up and go, oh, I didn't see that coming. What do I do now? He already knew long before he ever spoke the first breath of creation into existence and long before he ever breathed the first breath of life into Adam. What you and I, forget Adam, what you and I were going to do with our lives and the choices that we were going to make that would mar his image and likeness in us. And before he ever breathed the first word of creation into existence, his plan was always to bring about Messiah so that you and I could be restored to what we were created to be, which was his image and likeness. And if you profess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Yeshua is Messiah, you will be saved. Your heart will be circumcised. And as long as you humbly walk in the circumcision of the heart and the reality of Messiah Yeshua, the word made flesh being etched upon your flesh, you will walk faithfully in righteousness and covenant with the Lord. And the world around you will be changed, will be touched, will be impacted by the transformation of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, upon you just as his desire has always been for the nation of Israel. It wasn't just that the nations would be blessed through the seed of Adam, who is Mashiach, uh, the seed of Abraham, rather, that is Mashiach. But instead, it was that the nations would be blessed as a whole. The nations of all the world would be blessed because the seed of Abraham, which is Mashiach, resides within us. And we walk and faithfulness and righteousness to him so that the world around us sees a distinct difference in our lives and go, you know what? I want that. Whatever it is, I want it. I want to be a part of it. And if people aren't walking up to you and asking you what's different about you, then it's time to fall on our faces before the Lord. Because evangelism, sharing the gospel, missions, whatever you want to call it, none of it matters they don't see him in us before they hear us speak about him. The only way they're going to see him in us is if there's a circumcision of the heart, a transformation internally, and the Ruach HaKodesh is moving through us. Avraham, Father of mercies, we worship you. 
We love you and we adore you. Father, I thank you that your word is ever living and ever breathing. Father, I thank you that the words that you spoke to our forefathers are still ringing true in our lives today and that the promises of Messiah that you spoke from the foundations of creation itself did in fact come to fruition and that as we wait for the return of Messiah that we can walk boldly and confidently in the reality that our hearts are circumcised and as Jeremiah 31 says, your word is now etched upon our flesh in the new covenant. That we can walk faithfully knowing that we can enter into your holy of holies because of the blood of Messiah, Yeshua. Father, I pray that you will move in our hearts and our lives in a powerful and mighty way so that others will come to know the saving grace of Yeshua Mashiach, that they will find the truth of your blood atonement, Lord, that we can all be restored to you faithfully. Father, I pray that you use each and every person hearing these words today, that you uh, uh, cut us deep into the flesh and, and, and transform our hearts and our lives. Father, even those of us walking in Messiah, there is always room for, for change and development and growth in you, Lord. Father, make us more in your image and likeness that we can faithfully impact the world around us and the people that you have called us to speak life into that they will see your life in us and desire what you have done in our lives and theirs, and that because we have professed with our mouths and believed with our hearts that Yeshua is Messiah, that the world around us will come to know the same truth and reality in their lives and profess it and believe it and walk in it and be transformed by you to impact those around them. B'Shem Yeshua Meshachinu, in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray. And everyone says, Amen and Amen. If everyone will gather together for the Birchat Kohanim, the priestly blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. B'shem Yeshua Meshachinu. In the name of Yeshua Messiah, alone is our star shalom, our prince of peace, we pray. And everyone says, Amen.